Hi, I'm George Tekmachev, back with the Eastern Target Archery Podcast. And, I, you know, I'm thinking this is episode 170, which kind of is amazing to me. Thanks, everybody, for joining us and continuing to support the podcast. Today, we have two people who deserve to be doing something other than talking about the Vegas shoot on the podcast. But we've got Brittany Salonen from the NFAA and Bruce Cull of the NFAA Foundation and the Vegas shoot. And folks, I just want to thank you for taking the time after the super busy time we all have had this past week. Absolutely. We're uh, happy it's over. Um, great success. And we're happy to be here with you. Think about where we were six months ago. Uh, you know, we honestly, in the context of where we've been and where we're headed, we just didn't know if we'd really have a Vegas shoot. Just the fact that it took place and mostly went according to plan is to me a uh, real success. And I think that, uh, it's got to be a relief now that uh, that the event is done. Yeah, you know, interestingly, you say six months ago, and I felt better six months ago than I did three months ago. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, realistically, we right. Championships. Yeah, we finished up the World Championships here, and, you know, we'd gotten 84 countries into the U.S. And things were looking better worldwide, and then all of a sudden here came Omicron or whatever it was called. And, um, you know, it, it didn't look great for a while there, but um, – you know, we were very, very fortunate. Um, you know, we hit, we, we broke 3,000, which is um, really hard to believe. And, you know, from all of our outlooks, it was a complete 100% success. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, you know, I've been to a few Vegas shoots, as you know, and I will say that this was right up there with any of them from the standpoint of the audience, especially at the Sunday finals. And Bruce, yeah. I, I really like uh, the change that was made in the shoot down round this year. I honestly believe as a show for television, but also for the audience, uh, you know, I personally think that that was really smooth and better than, you know, the old standard of having everybody standing up there and shooting and then waiting for the call. I, I think even though maybe it took a little more time on a certain level, the amount of drama and interest that it generated, I didn't see people leaving. I mean, that, that place was packed. Yeah, that was, you know, that was probably the most packed I've ever seen, you know, the final itself, which, you know, when I look up at that, which is hard to see with all the lights, um, you know, it was from one end to the other, it was solid people. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and our format, you know, we, we played with that a little bit last year in our downgraded championship only Vegas shoot. Um, yeah. In one of the ballrooms. Right. And, you know, with, a lot less spectators, a lot less pressure from everybody. Um, we were able to tweak that a little bit. And we did it at the Rushmore Rumble and started it at our national indoor. And, you know, it really works well. The, the whole purpose of it was really initiated from TV, you know, being able to follow the archers rather than jumping all over the place. Um, and, you know, the, the big thing is making the call to when we, you know, cut the field, um, to enable arrow by arrow, you know, play with it, so to speak. And, um, you know, it worked out perfectly. Um, yeah, I tend I, to agree. I mean, you know, here's the thing, Bruce, you were kind of in a hot spot there because you had to decide whether you were going to, you know, at that point, you know, that's a, that's an on the fly decision that you have to make. And at that time, if I, if I recall correctly, you had seven shooters on the line. Um, yeah. And, you know, We'd looked at that, and I, you know, in 23 years of me doing the the Vegas shootoffs, um, I, I can count on one hand. In fact, I think it's only three, um, maybe only two, 
in which the winner emerged, you know, before we were completely done. And, you know, generally speaking, <clears throat> you're not going to have somebody emerge when there's, you know, even seven, that's, that's kind of the number I'd looked at it and thought it's got to be six, seven, eight, somewhere right in there. And, um, you know, when it cut the, the time before that, we went to seven, that was kind of a no-brainer from my perspective. So, no, you made the right call. You know, the risk is, of course, that if you were to wait longer, you might very well have the thing be over with in the next end. I mean, that possibility exists every single end. Yeah. And, it, you know, even at the beginning, um, you know, I remember our 50th anniversary, which um, was the first year of the $50,000, you know, payout. And the flaming chair. Um, we only had five people in the whole shoot off. And right. there's no doubt that money was a big factor in that. But then, of course, we had the winner emerge, which was our first time ever lucky dog that came out of the, you know, when they were all shooting. So it, it's a little anticlimactic. Um, but, you know, we do what has to be done. And this year was as, as good as it gets. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, again, the part of the drama, part of the spectacle of that shoot off is that uniquely it could be over on the next end or it could go 10 more ends. And in this case, I think we went seven ends or eight ends. It was um, it was just about as good as you can get. It didn't get dragged out too long. Matches got resolved pretty quickly. Calls were made efficiently. I really feel like from the standpoint, and folks, if you haven't seen this thing, it's, it's available on YouTube. It's on the World Archery YouTube channel. You can watch the whole show, including all the shoot-offs for some of the preliminary places and the women's shoot-off, which was super high quality. You had three women... With 900, I, I want to talk a little bit, Bruce and Brittany, about the quality of the event. Think about, I mean, the shooters, right? We had something on the order of 10% of the open competitors shooting 900 and qualifying, you know, a little, a little over 10%, which is a yeah. remarkable thing when you think about it. When you think about the, the pressure, people brought their best game to Vegas this year. You, I mean, you know, alluding to your point earlier about the, 50th anniversary tournament when we only had about five open competitors. This is really remarkable that people are turning in such good scores and shooting so well. Do you have any thoughts about the reason for that? Well, obviously, uh, from my standpoint, the, the level of competition has obviously increased and the level of the time and the effort put into it by the archers has obviously increased. Um, I think you add another factor, which is a couple of really weird years because of the pandemic. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, I, I think the whole mental state of those top archers was it's time. We're back. Let's do it. Um, and, and I think that just brought out the best in everybody. Um, you know, the women's class, um, you know, we've seen that grow with the number of perfect scores over the years and, and, and even just the 300s. You know, we for years only had one that had shot a 900. Then we got a couple, you know, and, and, and this is the first time ever that we've had first, second and third shooting off of perfect scores, you know, with 900s. Well, and George, correct me if I'm wrong, but are they the first three to repeat it as well? I, I believe you might be right. Um, yeah. You know, when you consider, I think Mary Ham Zorn had done it a few times um, back to back. But generally speaking. For three women to have done this twice in a row, um, two years in a row, is a truly remarkable thing. And I, I believe that that shows something about, you know, women's archery in the United States. I mean, they're all 
I know Tanya is technically not really uh, quite shooting for the United States yet, but when you think about it, they're, you know, they're all based in the United States and shooting at those levels. I think that's a remarkable achievement and part of one reason why we're seeing more compound competitiveness worldwide with women. We're seeing more gender equity in that segment of the sport. I believe these three women, Tanya and Liko and uh, Paige, are inspirational for that purpose. I think a lot more women are going to look at them and go, you know what, if they can do it, so can I. I hope that's going to be the case. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's any doubt. I think the other thing that's it's probably um, subtle in their thoughts and, and in their subconscious, but, you know, five years ago, I think it was that we added the, you know, what used to be the men's open. We changed that to just the open championship. Yeah, so anybody um, can choose to shoot it. We've right. seen Sarah Lopez do that, for example. Join exactly, and I, I got to give her a lot of credit for doing that. And, um, you know, but what I'm getting at, I, I really think that it's going to be a matter of time sooner than later then we're going to see some of those women go into that division. Um, Absolutely agree. You just look at it now and look at their X counts and they were, com they were competitive. Um, and I think that's, that's going to be neat to see the, you know, the, the other thing that was very strange um, and for a good way, uh, I just happened to look at the list of our 22 that shot the, the Vegas shoot off. And for the first time ever, we had eight countries represented, which um, a seven or eight, I'm sorry. But um, well, yeah, you're you're quite right. You had Italy, you had Spain, you had of course yeah. the United States, you had Canada, Netherlands, yep. Austria, and, and Nico, uh, the winner of the World Championship in Yankton, uh, came back for Vegas. Yep. Um, you had Denmark. Uh, you, yep. I don't think I'm missing any. Um, but yeah, you're right. And, and, and you that's had a pretty remarkable. Um, and if you if you dip down into the 899s, uh, you know the lucky dog uh, contenders. You had a couple more countries. You had Mexico in there, Slovakia, and. Estonia, as well as India. So yeah. yeah, you're right. It's, you know, you've become, Vegas has become, and, well, let me back up. Vegas has always been an attraction for tourists from around the world, archery tourists, shall we say. But now, uh, to your point, we are seeing the top shooters from around the world come to this thing. And, you know, if, if we were in normal times, I guarantee you we would have had a couple of Koreans in there too. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Because of what's going I, on there I mean, now. The, the people we were down, you know, we hit our high um, in 2020, which was just before literally um, everything came to a screeching stop in the whole world. Um, you know, we hit our total of, I think it was 38.45. Um, and we were growing at a pretty good rate. What's the number, Brittany? Yeah, 38.16 um, was our total. And, um, you know, it's just, that's where we were down were, were the international people. Yeah. I was um, going to, I was going to mention France is another one that you would have expected to see, but some of the French archers tested positive uh, just before their flights. And so, yeah. you know, they, they had issues. Well, but, it's, it's getting, getting positive and negative tests is like playing roulette at the table. I mean, it, <laughs> very much one so. day you're fine. The next day you're positive. And, um, you know, I think uh, I, I'm, if everything finally goes like we hope it will, um, next year I think is going to really scare everybody. And um, those that are listening, I would suggest that they uh, start making, you know, plans right now because I'm I'm sure it's going to be a, a huge one. Speaking of which, and I'm sorry to throw this at you right away because I don't know if you have the dates set, but do you have dates set for Vegas for next year? 
Brittany's on the computer looking right now. And, okay, yeah. we'll get back. To, we'll get back to that. But the um... and, and, you know, there again, the one one really nice thing um, that kind of most people noticed but didn't think a lot about it is for the first time since we've been at the South Point, we were able to go with the whole place concrete, which is what we've been waiting for forever. Um, that, you know, the, the dirt that we have that we have to cover with carpet. Yeah, we make it look good, but there's nothing that looks as good as this. We were lucky to have the meat. The Meekum um, auto auction was the weekend before us, and they have it all prepped for that. And the Super Bowl moving, so we were really fortunate, and we're in that slot through uh, 2025. So that's really awesome from our perspective. Something else that I thought was really good was getting rid of those bow stands, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we had a lot of, uh, we, Brittany does a really good job of getting the, the surveys out, and I'm shocked at the number of respondents we get, which is unheard of. I mean, it's like 80% of them, 90% of them. And they were like, it was almost unanimous. Get rid of the things. We, we don't want them. We can't see, um, you know, right. they're, they're, they're traffic stoppers. They, they block. I'm sure Dean Alberga was thrilled because he got some photos that are epic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and they did, they were from a, from a TV or a, a media standpoint, they were terrible. And even from the stands, you couldn't see anything. So yeah, I was about to say that if you're a spectator in the stands, you had to be up in the bird seats in order to be able to get a clear line of sight. And that's a problem because yes. you're further away. So all in yeah, all, that was we, a really good plan. And we actually got rid of them in the championship hall a few years ago as like a tester to feel it out. Cause I mean, that's a big change for the event. Um, so this year we actually made the decision. I mean, it's a safety thing too. It was like a jungle gym walking through those bows and the bow racks. Um, so there was definitely a learning curve. We heard, you know, mostly positive feedback, but a little bit of negative. So I think it's just a learning curve that people have to get used to it. Folks, if you don't own a bow stand, you should. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> let's get let's get serious here. It's one of those things, quite frankly, just between you and me, every ding I ever got on my bow was from a Vegas <laughs> bow stand. Or not really yeah. the stand, but from people knocking into your bow or knocking it around, trying to get their own bows, right? Yeah, so, exactly. So all in all, this was a much better way to go. Kudos on that as a shooter. Yeah, everything, you know, from our standpoint, everything just looked super there. The, uh, the show, the vendors, uh, the sponsors, and we can't thank them enough for all their support. But that show was so packed. Um, you know, I, I, I find myself, when I'm at the Vegas shoot, trying to move from A to B very quickly, and I would get uh, road rage going through that that show. I mean, it was just solid people, which yeah, got to make everybody happy. I would sure think. And it certainly got back to that this year. I mean, it was very clearly just as big of a show as we've ever had. Even though you had about eight hundred fewer participants because of the various factors. I mean, you know, you you start tallying it up. You know, generally you get thirty or forty people from Japan. You get thirty or forty people from Great Britain. You get about that many from. Um, other countries, you know, and, and it seems to me that that was the only thing that I felt was missing was, you know, that, uh, and we still had plenty of international shooters, don't get me wrong, but one of the flavors of Vegas is you do get that, you know, the world comes to Vegas for this tournament. And next year, folks, if you're listening right now, make your plans. Uh, hopefully before the end of the, uh, before the end of the show, Brittany will tell us what the dates are for Vegas. Oh, yep. I have them here, George. Okay, save it. We'll, we'll, so we're we'll, reveal, actually, we'll oh. reveal that at the end. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Okay, I'll save it. 
That's how we keep. That's how we keep people. That's how we keep people tuned in to our. <laughs> you know, George. An another thing, just to mention briefly, that I was sure proud and honored to be able to do was the the whole Easton hundredth anniversary. Um, yeah, that was that was a whole podcast on that. But you know, just from our standpoint and our side, it was just an honor to be a part of that and have them do their major celebration. You know, involve all the people. And I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people there that really enjoyed it. And I couldn't believe how many people talked about their, their setup, their little museum, their chronological order of the East and hundred years. Um, and it, it was just awesome to have that as part of the shoot. Yeah. That display was really quite remarkable. They did a great job. The Easton foundations with that. If you look at it, um, that was probably one of the big attractions in the show. It seemed to me there were people constantly going in and out of there. But, uh, you know, the audience was pretty enthusiastic about the whole thing, too, which, I mean, look, let's face it. There's plenty of gold tip and victory and black eagle shooters up there. But it seemed to me people appreciated what Easton has brought to our game. And I, I got the sense that that was a very popular topic. And uh, I think Greg was pretty pleased, too. You know, I, yeah, I think I mean everybody did a great job with that. Yeah, I mean, the Easton name is synonymous with archery and top-level elite archers. Um, I mean, they were just, they've been around, look, obviously, 100 years. Um, very, very cool. And, yeah, it was, it was great to see that, you know, kids were dragging their parents into that display um, with the cool things they saw. And, you know, and, and then topping the whole thing off with a pretty cool orange and black balloon drop and t-shirts from the hundredth going all over the place uh it was it was a fun celebration of a hundred years yeah was George, really yeah go ahead yeah, I, was, I was gonna say it was so funny because we actually all of those balloons had a beautiful easton 100 logo on them and they were popped so fast i don't even think people noticed <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they were i mean it was pop 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 it was really cool oh absolutely <laughs> it was like a fireworks going off back there when those balloons were popping i will yeah. tell you i'm super pleased with the fact that people uh stayed in their seats and didn't jump around looking for those things it uh I'll seemed tell to you, me like it was that, very orderly i've got that knack of keeping people there you know uh -huh. <laughs> everybody was scared to death i've done several balloon drops over the years and i've learned some lessons and um nobody wants to get on your wrong side bruce nobody <laughs> exactly but no, how great the whole thing was. It was just great to be a part of that. Yeah, that uh, T-shirt Gatling gun thing, that was pretty remarkable, too. Funny story, yeah. you you and Steve Anderson, and I can't remember who else, but was it uh, Louis Price? Went to, Could, the, yeah. uh, went to the Raiders to go pick that up, right? You picked that up from the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, yeah, no, but yeah, they I, they picked it up from either UNLV or, or the Raiders. I can't remember which one. It's, it's a machine that they share, and Steve drove his pickup and took three yeah, guys. He got it from the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, big machine. I mean, it, it this it, folks, imagine uh, you know, just the you know, the regular handheld t-shirt cannon. Imagine something like that, but something on the order of six or eight of those things on a rotary yeah. device. And you actually have this yeah. cart and it's moving around and it's firing these t-shirts. Boom, 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 boom. Pretty amazing stuff. It was, oh, it was yeah. remarkable. Lots and uh, and plenty of T-shirts out there for the crowd. And uh, you fed them on Sunday night. Um, yeah, uh, people were appreciative appreciative of that. I know you call it the Archer's Appreciation thing. I, I heard a lot of people talking about uh, how much they appreciated what that show was about. I think that's the biggest take back. 
And, you know, yeah, at the end of the day, know. you know, you're, you're doing this and it's a nonprofit organization. You're basically trying to break even. I don't know if you do or not, but you're trying to break even with 800 fewer shooters this year. I don't know if you did, but let's face it. It's a service to the, uh, to the archery community that all of you are putting in for this thing. And uh, I think that it's, you know, a real jewel that we have in our sport. Yeah, and you know we handle a lot of money. Our budget for that is incredible. Um, and and you're right, we are a nonprofit, but it's nice to make some money so that you can stay around forever. Um, yeah, but it all know, goes it, back to the shooters eventually. That's the thing you got to remember. Yeah, and you know our our goal with the Vegas shoot is to provide the highest quality competitive shoot we can. And um, the end game is that we have enough money to pay some scholarship money to kids and uh you know help perpetuate the sport and keep making the pie bigger you know we, we just getting new people is our whole goal and it was so cool to see a lot of that happen this year um i will i will tell you that we also had something else unprecedented you know we talked about how something on the order of 10 percent, you know more than 20 of the open competitors in championship compound had clean scores but yep. the other thing that was unprecedented from my point of view was the domination of the youth in the premier categories, you, you know, Casey oh, yeah. Coffold, 17 years old, winning women's recurve. Uh, but of course you can't talk about this year's Vegas without talking about the remarkable stories of Lico, Areola and Bodie Turner, uh, 15 years old. Bodie turned 15 years old during the Vegas shoot and Lico who won last year at the age of 13, young lady from, uh, Hawaii has done it again at the age of 14. And it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around two things. One, the poise that both of them showed. And two, just their stone cold ability to handle that pressure was amazing to me. Yeah, it, you know, that's something uh, from my perspective, uh, you know, I get to hear what a lot of the, 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 archers that competed against them are saying and their remarks and of course everybody's very respectful and, and they love it but it's kind of funny to hear some of the comments because um i think everybody's thinking oh boy what's the future going to hold and that's the cool part i think about archery um you know when we've said for years that it's a sport for all ages um i don't know that we necessarily meant competitively that this would come out but i think it's an awesome trend upwards um, and, and I think those two probably are going to do more with the youth archers overall than any other thing we could have done. Um, no, no argument there. I totally agree. You very know, they're, cool. they're, they're, and they're both great kids. That's the other awesome aspect of this. Thank goodness that they're great kids, you know, because they're such a good role model. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny to hear some of the veterans out there, you know, going, my goodness, are, is anybody over 18 ever going to win again <laughs> and it, well, it's kind of cool to hear that because um you know it, it's just adds another dimension to the whole competitiveness of it and um that can't be anything but good yeah absolutely you know getting back to the uh thing i brought up earlier open means open and there were a few comments uh, i saw online where people were like well they're juniors they should stay in the junior class or you should be over 21 to be able to shoot for this no I disagree. I think that the nature of this shoot is that anybody from any age, any gender can come in, pay their fee and stand toe to toe with the Dan McCarthy's and the Jesse Broadwaters and, 
you know, the Kyle Douglases of that tournament and like Bodie Turner end up winning the whole thing. That is the, the key to making it work. In my opinion, the biggest thing you did was to change that from, you know, the men's final to an open final. And I really do hope that next year and in the years after we see more and more women standing toe to toe shooting for that 50 plus thousand dollar prize. Uh, you know, it's still the biggest prize in our sport. And, you know, I'd love to see the day when we see a woman stand up there and, and win that thing. I think that that is absolutely a possibility. You're talking about, you know, 20 yards, a little over 18 meters, everybody shooting at the same target. You know, you don't necessarily with the compound have the disadvantage that you have with recurve when it comes to draw length and the ability to handle high weight. The compound is the great equalizer in my view. And I think that women are just as capable of shooting these scores as Paige and as Tanya and as Lico demonstrated. It's simply going to be a matter of volume. You know, the more participants that we have, the more success we will see from the women's side of the sport. I really believe that. Yep, I agree 100%. I'll make a prediction. You're going to see a woman in the top 10 in the shoot-off within the next two years. I will absolutely back you up on that prediction. And I that really may, do. You know, think- and it may be somebody like Lico once again, or it may be somebody we've never heard of that we will hear about, or it may be a veteran like a Sarah Lopez. I mean, that's absolutely a possibility. Absolutely. This... No, this once again, we had the lucky dog shoot off. And once again, the lucky dog showed that luck is not really part of it. Uh, Stefan Hansen, who's, you know, been world champion many times. Um, Stefan was our lucky dog. He went out relatively early, but when you're the lucky dog, you can either go out or win it. You have, you know, you can't place. So there's a little more pressure with being the lucky dog, I think. But Bruce, tell me that that was not the last person those guys wanted to see for the lucky dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One of the last for sure. I mean, the good part of the lucky dog has been, you know, we've had that. I I'd even have to go back and look how long it's been now, 10 years, whatever it's been. And, you know, we've had um, two lucky dogs win and they were very, it's the, the whole purpose of the lucky dog was exactly proven by the two that have won and come through the ranks. Um, yeah. And I, I believe it's seven know. years now that the lucky dog has been a thing at Vegas. And when you oh, it's been more than that. Yeah, it's yeah, actually, okay. yeah, well, because uh, before the, my time, the, the, we started that um, the first year at the South Point, which wow. would be eleven years ago. Yeah. I oh wow. Now twelve. Yeah. Hmm. And and there and my my concern always, you know, I I met a lot of resistance when I brought up that idea. Yeah, you and, did. Uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the pro, the, the pro archers of the NFA side and the competitive archers were like. What the hell are you doing? You can't do a mulligan. You know, you oh, can't that's do absolutely that. true. No, that you're absolutely correct. That is and, you absolutely know, for those that don't know where that came from. It's I, I didn't come up with the idea. I did with archery, but the lucky dog in NASCAR is literally, and I won't go through all the, the, the stipulations, but there there can be a NASCAR winner win the race without driving as many miles as the rest of them. And if that isn't a mulligan, I don't know what is. So you know, I mean, everybody knows they can miss one. Um, and, and that was the whole purpose of this. And it added, you know, that chance that when you go out of the first of the three days, you miss the first arrow, you can still come back. Um, and I think, you know, it's done a great job. It's, um, well, I'll tell you how great it's done. 
I'm sure this year I was asked 20 times, hey, when are we going to have a lucky, lucky dog? <laughs> Meaning <Wow>. the 98. <laughs> you got to draw a line so, somewhere. Yeah. I think too, George, another thing that we added in 2020 was the 10K a day. And that yes. also adds another element to the day because if you drop one on the first day, you're not, you might as well pack up and go home, right? That's how some of them think. So now we've added something, you know, for them to strive for in both the lucky dog and the shoot off. So, yep. And that's proven Brittany to have motivated people to do well on the second day to your point, because we yeah. had close to 90, I believe it was 88 yep. uh, in the, in the lucky dog shoot off on the second day, it was 60 something on the first day, if I'm not mistaken. And we almost had to have a second line for the second day, you know, because we would have run out of targets. If we'd had three or four more. So there's very clear uh, possibility that we saw more 300s than we normally would have simply because people were motivated to go get that number on the second day, in spite of having the gut punch of having missed one on the first day. I, I think that, that big, big deal. And, and that seems like a really good payback for a single arrow. If you think about it. <laughs> yeah for sure for sure I, I think maybe greg thinks it's too much of a payback <laughs> <laughs> i heard him make i heard him make a comment to you about that bruce you know it was it was, one of the lines of, it was like you're really paying ten thousand dollars for yeah. for that but the yeah shooters, we're definitely we're definitely subsidizing that <laughs> yeah yeah possibly but you know the reality yeah. is the shooters i'll back up here's the way this works you pay 25 dollars uh, is it for each day or is it $25 for the 25 whole? total? Okay. So you're paying 25 bucks and you have a shot at winning $10,000. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're kind of subsidizing that you're, you're giving back more than you're getting yep. by paying out $20,000 as part of that. But what a great incentive for the shooters yet another. And this, unlike the flights, this isn't a crapshoot. You're still completely skills built on this thing. But it gives everybody at that level, the Levi Morgans who dropped, you know, a point, the, the people who are normally going to be in that shoot off, they had their opportunity to still have a pretty good payday from shooting a single arrow. We had an archer from India win the first one. And the second one, do you recall who it was? Michael Braden. Oh, yeah. Michael yeah, Braden. yeah, yeah. Michael Braden. Yeah. Remember, we had an 18-year-old and a 54-year-old shooting. That's right. Pretty comparable. Yeah, right. yeah. The the kid and, from know, India was 17, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. And the yeah. first year we did it in 2020, we had a, a female win. Yeah, Sarah Priels. Yep. That's right. So yeah. it's uh it it served its purpose very it's well. Cool. I mean, that's really cool. that's what we wanted. You could argue that that is just as telegenic, you know, uh suitable for television as the shoot down is. I think people would be interested if there's a, a way for us to figure out how to do that in the future. Uh, it's well, a lot yeah, of cameras, we actually, a lot of TV, but <laughs> that actually happened uh, during this year. Um, there were uh, so many um, people going, "Why can't we see this?" That I believe the next day yep. it was live streamed. Yep. So, and if we haven't got all the numbers yet, but I know it was very successful when they did that. So, yeah, that was. A I, good I, I got to ask a question that may get cut out of the show or may stay in, depending on the answer. But I saw a, there's, there's a couple of notorious archery meme makers on Instagram, and one of them put up an image of the big screen with an arrow in it. Oh. Did that happen? Oh, yeah. You know, every year, um, things like that happen, an arrow. You know, that's why we have safety nets um, to cover a lot of the area. area. But um, 
yeah, in the Freeford arenas in practice, somebody's release went off and, you know, it punctured one of the screens. The, the good thing is that those screens are made in sections. Yeah, yeah they're modular. So it doesn't cost half a million dollars. It costs 3000 So Yeah, well, that's, it's still expensive, but I, I just I hadn't heard about it. You know, I was uh, working in, in the NFAA office most of the time that I was at the event. But I will say, uh, back in the day, uh, that's happened at World Archery events. It was more costly back then because the equipment was a lot more expensive. Um, some estimates I heard said it cost $40,000 to fix a particular Omega timing screen that got shot by a particular archer. But you don't see it too often. Um, but to get the angle on that big screen in the Prefer Arena means that archer was close to 45 degrees or more to be yep. able to make that thing go off. I got to ask, do you see the Vegas shoot putting in the same kind of rule that World Archery has regarding sky draw? Well, you know, we have a similar rule. Um, the, the, the indoor normally isn't nearly um, as much safety, obviously, because we're in a controlled, boxed-in environment. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I can see some enforcement of that coming just because of, you know, incidents like that. And, you know, we, we've had others, you know, where they hit the wall and um, the financial end of it is what's kind of getting hard for us. And um, that, that's yeah, because you got to pay, you got to pay for the damage or have insurance pay for the damage, I suppose. Right. And regardless, everybody knows whether you have insurance or not, you end up paying somehow in the long run, anyhow, by raised premiums or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's the nature of the beast and we'll have to address I, it. I saw one up in the rafters in the, um, in the uh, spooky point venue that the Lancaster classic uses. Uh, apparently, you know, there were a couple of people with uh, high draws there too. So, you know, that's, that is a concern. All joking aside, not that, you know, it's safe from the standpoint of people, but uh, you know, that is a multi-million dollar screen that got shot. Thank goodness it's modular. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The only bad thing is they did it on the first day. So they didn't get to see the scores taking through yeah only part of it <laughs> yeah yeah it took you know it took out that one module but that took out the yeah. entire screen from the standpoint of its function until yeah. it got repaired well with yeah, that I tried said to tell them that wasn't an arrow it was a horseshoe and that didn't go over well so <laughs> fair enough uh, but the problem is the evidence was there <laughs> yeah it was the arrow didn't the bounce week. back out okay so Brittany, we've kept people hanging what is the story with vegas for 2023 2023 is staying in that same date range. So we're going to be February 2nd through the 5th. So mark your calendars. And when do you expect that people can physically start looking at reservations and things of that nature? How far out? Yeah, we'll be, we'll be opening the room block soon, probably in the next month or so, because I know there's a lot of people ready to, to get started on 23. Yeah, very clearly. And so, uh, folks, it, once again, those dates, Brittany? February 2nd through the 5th of 2023. Mark your calendars. Bruce, do you anticipate that as we have in the past spoken about, that there might possibly be changes to the format from the standpoint of the days of shooting or anything along those lines? Is that being contemplated? Yeah, we're working on that right now. <clears throat> Between that and, you know, we also had an addition that we haven't spoken much about, but that was the NABA show. Um and, and we're looking, uh, you know, at the potential of, you know, if we're keeping that again at the beginning or if we could go to the end. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nothing's probably going to change more than one day. Um, 
but there's a there's a potential that as we look at that we we could you know have everything start a day earlier or end a day earlier um and we just we've got to really look at all the numbers yeah and these are things that could actually give archers more flexibility particularly in the flights something that is actually beneficial to those who might want to be able to fly out on sunday uh take advantage of the uh possibility there i'm just saying right now while it's preliminary that possibility exists that there will be additional flexibility for the shooters as far as their schedules are concerned so hold those dates and in a month or so maybe there will be more information but keep in mind that there is a possibility that we could be seeing a shift in the days of shooting that could work out really well for the standpoint of uh, travel and that sort of thing yep absolutely well, Bruce and Brittany, I want to thank you again for all the hard work you've put in to put this event in the history books as a huge success. I really feel, um, and we haven't even talked about the, the World Archery component, which, which was also a spectacular event um, on Saturday night. But I will really say that this was the most memorable Vegas shootdown that I have seen yet, having been involved in quite a few of them myself, working with you, Bruce. And I will say that uh, we have a couple of shining stars in our sport right now, Bodie and Liko, who I believe are going to be inspirations that could only have been created by this thing you created at Vegas. So yeah, I, I really I think that that's amazing. Yeah, and George, thank you uh, for being the voice of Vegas. Um, I don't know what we would do if we didn't have your great voice there to listen to in the hall. I know mine would never be able to do it. So thank you for everything you put into it. Hey, the only stress I had was trying to get the uh, crowd to do the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> your singing was out. wonderful. Yes. Yeah, it worked well, out great. <laughs> those are words that nobody's ever said before, Brittany. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that about my singing, but I, 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 I'm glad that we pulled it off. It worked out all right. Actually, you know, I, ha I have to say that was for me, um, that got my uh, heart rate up a little bit listening to that yeah. crowd. They really, it was really cool. It was really cool. And maybe a tradition we should think about uh, implementing in the future with, with maybe somebody better to, uh, you know, lead them <laughs> on. Yes. <laughs> 